Hey friends, pastors JF and Ashley here in the middle of our messy garage, still in this series. This is the last week though. Yes, yeah, six weeks. Yes, in the middle of the mess. Yeah. And in case you're not aware, we got kind of a mess going on in our world and the yeah. Lord is using this situation mm -hmm. to even unpack to us the story of Joseph yeah. and some amazing lessons. And so it's been a really powerful time together and we're so glad that you have joined us. We're gonna go back to the anchor verse, the same anchor verse that we've had every single week. And today we're gonna to get to actually see where it ends up, how mm -hmm. it came about. So go with me now, Genesis 50, starting in verse 20. Scripture says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And as we've said every single week, we love this idea of God taking everything and anything and he can turn it for our good, but none of us, None of us really like actually going through the mess right. and the grossness and the chaos and the craziness to actually get to that point. Yeah, you know, messes come in different ways. You know, sometimes we contribute to the mess, like we brought the mess to the table and it affects people all around us. Sure. Our families, our loved ones, but other times people do stuff to us. Mm -hmm. We had nothing to do with it. It just came our way for various reasons. Yeah. And really, like this is what we see happening in the life of this character named Joseph. And really, if you're just joining us for the very first time, we've been in this thing for six weeks. Essentially, this character Joseph, he finds himself in messes constantly that he really doesn't bring on any of them. And so we've been looking at how he has maneuvered through them. He's grown, he's, yeah. the way his attitude, the way he's responded. And so essentially, he was hated for the gift of God and the favor that God had placed on his life. And so it started with his brothers and they're jealous of the relationship that Joseph has with his father because they're just a little bit tighter than the rest of them. And so they get upset, they throw him in this pit, they eventually sell him into slavery, yeah. talk about a mess right there. And then he finds himself in Egypt working for a high level um, you know, leader and the leader's wife accuses him of essentially rape and he didn't do that and he got thrown into prison for that. So here he is in the prison and he begins to just minister to the different prisoners. He actually gets promoted in the prison by the prison guards. And so now he's leading in the middle of this mess once again that he didn't create. And in fact, I was even studying this week, uh, babe, that many Jewish scholars believe that Joseph could potentially have been in prison for up to 12 years. Wow. So this wasn't like a short stint. <laughs> So in the middle of all that, because indeed he was human, all of the emotions, yeah. waiting, Lord, what is going on? I'm just trying to do what you've called me to do. And in the middle of all of that waiting, mm -hmm. Joseph was being developed. Yeah. As hard as it is to sometimes swallow that. And so if you're in the middle of a mess today, and you're wondering, God, what's going on? I want you to know that he's developing. He's developing things inside of you. So we're gonna wrap up the six-part series today. And 
And we just really want to encourage you all to continue to study the rest of this story because there's a lot of details and a lot more different angles that you can jump into. But we're going to wrap it up today, the middle of the mess, part six. Yeah, and I love hearing from everyone exactly what the Lord is speaking to them through this series and through this story. And I was even thinking today, um, back in high school, I think it was, uh, I did a substitute Sunday school teaching. Any Uh-oh. Sunday school teachers out there? Uh, I, I loved Sunday school and I remember teaching um, just a few times as a substitute. And, and I was thinking about uh, the one time that I apparently did a terrible job of teaching Noah in the ark because I remember at the end of the class asking the class, okay, Tell us what the lesson was today. And I remember this sweet little boy and lifted his hand and he was so excited. And he said, oh, oh, I know. It's don't let your animals out in the rain. And I was like, oh, so close. <laughs> Not it. Uh, and we were laughing about that today. But um, we really just want to make sure that at the end of this six-part series that, that we actually have a grasp on the overarching lessons that we believe the Lord not only uh, taught Joseph, but is teaching us and prayerfully that he has for you as well. So we're picking up in the story after the seven years of abundance. And just as God showed Joseph this famine Mm -hmm. that he saw in this dream, this famine strikes the land and it gets bad and Jacob the father sends his sons to Egypt because that's essentially where that's where that's where the food was. Yeah. And so here they leave Canaan to head down to Egypt. Let's pick up Genesis chapter 42. If you have your Bible starting in verse one, this is what the scripture says. When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you just keep looking at each other? He continued, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not die. Verse three, then 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with the others because he was afraid that harm might come to him. The little brother, dad scared the little guy. So Israel's sons were among those who went to buy grain, for there was famine in the land of Canaan also. Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from? He asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Then he remembered his dreams about them and said to them, you are spies. You have come to see where our land is unprotected. How many of you know that there's nothing like a family reunion and all the drama unleashes? (laughs) And so this is the first lesson that we want to leave with you today. If you're writing notes or taking notes, write this statement down. And that is, sometimes the miracle requires even more mess. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Brace yourself, right? (coughs) The idea that maybe what God desires to do in your life 
requires you to go into the mess a little yeah, further. Yeah. To go a little <sighs> deeper. Anybody else that is scary? Yeah, it's sometimes for me too. Uh, I love how the New Testament even has stories of this. And I was, um, we were talking about it this week, mm -hmm. a great example. Look with me in John chapter nine. It, you're looking at Jesus who's coming across a blind man. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's where the story begins. Looking in verse one, as he, Jesus, went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? I want to stop right there. Because don't we do that, man? We look at people in a mess and make all sorts of totally. assumptions and, and we have all of these thoughts about why they might be there. And I love that Jesus clears that up straight up. He says, verse three, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. You know, so often it's that religious spirit that assumes like, oh, if something's going wrong in your life, then that's punishment. But scripture's so clear. Mm -hmm. So often it's because God wants to use you to display new levels of his love and his grace. Let's pick back up. Verse four, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Verse five, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And after saying this, Jesus does something real weird. I'm glad we don't do this on a Sunday basis, right? Uh, he spits on the ground and he makes mud with the saliva and then he put it on the man's eyes. You've never tried that? I, I have not tried that and <laughs> nor will I actually implore you to try that at home, not in your small groups either. No, but think about that for a second. You, you have a blind man who, I mean, scripture doesn't say that he even asked Jesus yeah. in that moment, right? He doesn't even, he's, he doesn't see Jesus. Yeah. We don't even know that the blind man knows that it is Jesus. He's not sure if, if Jesus has gotten the vaccine yet. <laughs> exactly. Okay, just, that, that was through that. Too interview. much, too much. <laughs> <laughs> and literally, Jesus goes next level yeah. and spits in some dirt and then wipes it on, wipes his spit mud on the dude's face. God. Jesus, what are you doing? He's already got a, a really rough <laughs> deal right now. He's blind. Oh, and then you put spit mud on his face. But I love that Jesus doesn't stop there. Look at verse seven. Scripture says, he says to the blind man who now has the spit mud on his face, Jesus says, go. He told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. I, I, wanna, I want you to see this because so often I've been taught that the pool of Siloam was like a ritual mikvah. Mm. 
right? But the more I researched it this week, it doesn't appear that that was the case. In fact, when they uncovered it, it's so much larger than the mikvahs. And I went and looked at various commentaries this week and found that there are many theologians that think that this pool was actually one for recreational, kind of swimming, mm -hmm. but it also was a place that collected, wait for it, sewage. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Jesus. I'm blind. You just put spit the spit on mud on my face. <laughs> And you want me to go dip myself in what? Jesus, what are you talking about right now? How could this possibly? Can you imagine how embarrassed the disciples were? Right. They're like, oh my goodness, our leader spit mud on the people's faces and then go dip yourself in sewage? Right, right. Think about that for a second. It was so funny, but I, I wrote this down in my notes because I had this real moment with the Holy Spirit in laughing about this. And just the idea that Jesus made a point. He made a point to the blind man. Do you care more about looking clean or getting healed? Mm. And I thought, oh, Lord, that's, that's for me right now. Do I care more about making sure people don't think that there's a mess that surrounds me or do I care more about getting whole mm. in the middle of this situation and and I think that that's for so many of us so often we do so much to avoid the mess and the Lord is saying hey if you'll just be willing to walk just a little further into the mess, you might actually be healed and be in a place where you are whole that you could never be when you thought you looked clean. And I feel like that is a powerful message. Beyond that, I love that Jesus says, go. He says, I want you to go to that pool. And I even thought this week about how powerful that was because this wasn't a pool that was just right beside them. It's not like the, the blind dude on the mat could just maybe roll into the pool and be done. There was a moment where I, I believe this blind man had to trust someone to help lead him to that pool. Not only was he blind, he's now got the spit mud mess and he needs someone to help him to walk through that next level of mess. And man, I thought this week in my prayers, we are realizing more than ever, it matters mm -hmm. who you trust. It matters who you link arms with, especially in the middle of these types of messes. Yeah, and in fact, Joseph teaches this exact lesson. Everything you're, ta you're talking about right here, mm -hmm. we, we see this played out at the end of this narrative here. Go back to Genesis chapter 42 and 43. What happens is Joseph de devises a plan and there's a lot of details to it, but essentially here they are, they've shown up. They don't realize it's their brother Joseph. He knows it's them. And so with that, he puts a plan together that includes keeping one of the brothers in the prison and sending the, the rest of the brothers back to the father and, and bringing his little brother back, his little brother Benjamin back to Egypt. All of it had to do with this trust process. And really, this, is, this wasn't about whether or not Joseph was going to forgive them. 
for what they did to him. He, he, he was always about to for, he was always planning to forgive them, which he, which he does. But this had more to do with whether or not he could or could not mm-hmm. trust to allow them back into his life. Yeah, that's big. There's two different things going on right that. The plan was to see whether or not he could maybe in the future do life with his brothers again. He really wanted to know whether or not they regretted selling him in to slavery. And, you know, that's really leads us to the next lesson. So that first thought that we had for you is sometimes a miracle requires even more mess. But here's the second thought that we have, and that is sometimes forgiveness doesn't mean fellowship. Wow. And what I want to say is just because you're commanded to forgive somebody, it doesn't mean that you're commanded to do life with them again. Come on. Someone's got to hear that today. Yes, as followers of Jesus, we don't, we don't have the option to whether or not to, to not forgive. We always forgive. But man, Scripture doesn't say now you got to do life with them permanently from now on. Yeah. And man, that gets into, if you've experienced that type of spiritual manipulation before, that's not from God. Right. Where someone forces you to forgive them and then forces you to be in relationship with them again, that's not, that's not part of God's plan. Now, that would be the ultimate if there was true reconciliation. But forgiveness doesn't always mean that we have to spend the rest mm-hmm. of our lives together with them. And Joseph understands that. And he's able to discern whether or not his brothers are safe. And we see this play out at the end of this narrative, wondering whether or not they're worthy of being in relationship with him moving forward. And this is so different than forgiveness. Yeah, it really is. And that's exactly what happened. He had to watch them in specific scenarios. He had to look at the fruit of their actions and their lives. And you and I both follow an amazing pastor and his name is Rich Velotis. And uh, he said it in such a simple, concise way that I love and I think we reposted it as well. But somebody needs to read this and we're gonna put it on the screens because I, I really want this to get into your soul. Meditate on the truths of just these simple statements. Forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting what someone has done. Forgiveness doesn't mean that there are no consequences to what others have done. Forgiveness doesn't mean that we no longer feel pain and grieving. Forgiveness doesn't mean that the relationship will ever be reconciled. Forgiveness doesn't mean that things will be like they were before. Mm. But forgiveness does mean our freedom from that interior bondage. Exactly what you said. The Lord always calls us to forgive. And I believe Joseph had already forgiven his brothers. Right? But it doesn't mean that we have to be in fellowship. And it's so important that especially in messes, we begin to learn really what it means to have safe people around us and to exercise healthy boundaries. Exactly. And here we are finally in this story. After all these weeks, we get to the point 
of this anchor verse and we see that process that Joseph himself has walked through. Genesis 50, starting in verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw what, that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. Hey, don't forget, this is what dad wanted. Don't forget, just in case. You may not love us, but this is what the father said. Verse 17, this is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph was able to watch them in that testing period to see the fruit of their lives and realize mm -hmm. whether he could do life with them or not. Number one, sometimes the miracle requires even more mess. And that's not fun to preach. It's really not. But there are often elements that the Lord says, hey, I want you to go a little bit further. I want you to care less about looking like you have it all together and care more about finding the wholeness in me, the complete healing. Number two, sometimes forgiveness doesn't mean fellowship, right? right? right. Sometimes we have to make that choice to love and to be healthy. Number three, sometimes our assumptions look different than his accomplishing. Sometimes our assumptions look different than what the Lord is doing. And so I think that that's such a good reminder. So often we think that we know exactly what it will look like for God's will to play out in our lives. Yeah. We think we know exactly how it, you know, the five-year plan, the 10-year plan, or even next week, hey, this is what it looks like to follow the Lord. And just because we've assumed it that way doesn't mean that that's how God's gonna work. Yeah, and you know, today is a significant day. Really, it's a significant week. This is the start of the Christian Holy Week. Mm -hmm. um, on the Jewish calendar, this is the Passover week. Yeah. Today is Palm Sunday. Very, very, if you're not a believer, if you're not a follower of Jesus, um, this is kind of like our Super Bowl, if you will. <laughs> and Easter's coming, you know. But today's Palm Sunday, and it, there, there's so much uh, significance, and it's so important. And the meaning of everything behind this day, this is where Jesus, you can read it in all four Gospels, Jesus rides on that donkey into Jerusalem. And as you read through the Gospels, Jesus is always talking about his kingdom. Yeah. And with this thought in mind, sometimes our assumptions look different than his accomplishing. You know, the disciples assumed a lot about what Jesus was saying when he talked about a kingdom. Mm -hmm. You see, Jesus was referring to his kingdom, which was a spiritual one, is a spiritual one. They had connected that kingdom that he was referring to as a political one. Right. 
where the Messiah would enter into Jerusalem and take seat on the throne and overthrow the Roman government. And there's so, I mean, all the implications, all the prophecies that Jesus is fulfilling. Uh, I, I think about the significance of just that week alone where literally millions of Jewish people would come from all over the region into Jerusalem to fulfill their Jewish duties and their rituals for the, for the, for the Sabbath and the Passover meal and, and here comes Jesus into the city. In fact, pro, the, the, the Jewish prophecies, the ancient Jewish prophecies, there was, a, there was a section that said when Jesus would come, excuse me, not necessarily Jesus, but when the Messiah would come to, to reign over Israel and to set them free, the Jews would actually leave the front door of the temple open all week long, just in case the Messiah showed up during that week because the Messiah was required to come during that Passover week. And so when Jesus enters, enters the city, Scripture talks about how the people were screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And they were, they were essentially shouting, free us, free us. Come, take your seat as king. And all the assumptions. I can only imagine what the disciples were thinking as they entered into Jerusalem. We finally made it. Right. Here we are. You can remember them arguing back and forth. Who, who was going to be the, be the big deal? The head honcho <laughs> right? of us <laughs> yeah. when Jesus takes his seat. You see, they assumed yeah. Jesus was coming mm. as a king in their own way. They assumed that he was going to do it like they thought. But how many of you know it didn't turn out that way? That Jesus arrives on the scene and not only does he not take, take his seat as king in that context, but rather he's stripped naked and he's hanging, bleeding out on a cross. You can only imagine just how devastated the disciples were as they watched Jesus crucified. And in the middle of what looked like the most horrific mess any of them had ever walked through, God himself was actually providing for every miracle that any of us would have ever needed. And that miracle continues today for what Jesus did on that cross. That's what this week's all about. Sometimes our assumptions look different than his accomplishing. So maybe you assumed it was going to look different. Maybe you assumed Jesus was going to work it out for you in a different way. And, and now he's doing something different. Hey, the stuff that we kind of assumed, man, we thought we'd be doing what we're doing for a really, really long time. And that whole kingdom principle of daily bread has kicked in. Yeah. I don't know what tomorrow holds, yeah. but I'm telling you right now, we just got to focus on him and what he's doing in our lives every single day and Amen. put our hope in him that he's going to be there for us tomorrow. Amen. We just want to encourage you right now, man, spend some time in this story of Joseph. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you fresh and new. And in those seasons of mess, like what we've walked through, there's so many of us walking through our own versions of messes right now. Be encouraged that sometimes the miracle that you're asking God for just requires you to go a little bit further mm -hmm. into that mess. Maybe it looks a little messier. And make sure that, that you are more concerned about getting whole than looking 
clean, mm. right? That's a, oh, that is a principle that the Lord is just driving home in, in our lives, right? Number two, sometimes forgiveness doesn't mean fellowship. I just want to encourage you, friends. It is so important to understand what love looks like. Love looks like wanting the best for someone. And sometimes the best for someone is for them to see you live out what it looks like to have healthy boundaries and choose safe people for you and your family. And so that's so important. Don't, don't let someone manipulate you into thinking that forgiveness always means fellowship. Sometimes it doesn't. And number three, sometimes our assumptions, you said it so well, look different than his accomplishing. Just because this season may look different than what you thought doesn't mean God's not working powerfully. And we want to pray for you right now. You know, this is Holy Week. And I encourage, if you're a follower of Jesus, man, take some time on this Palm Sunday throughout the week to really meditate on what Jesus did for you, what he did for me, the significance of it all. Sometimes, you know, we've been walking with Jesus for a long time. And, you know, we can kind of, you know, I'll speak for myself. I can kind of get in a rhythm and, and all, the Holy Spirit will like punch me in the face, like a spiritual kick to the mouth. And he's like, hey, remember what this is all about. It's about Jesus coming and sacrificing himself for you and for me. And then we're gonna celebrate, of course, Resurrection Sunday and Easter Sundays. But we wanna pray for you right now. Maybe you're right in the middle of this mess during this holy week. We're still trying to figure things out and, and we just know that the Lord has us and we wanna thank all of you for praying for us and being there for us. And God's got great things in store for us and the ministry that he's called us to. But we wanna pray with you right now. Maybe you just wanna grab your loved one's hand and uh, come on, let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you for this sacred moment. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the witness, the life, your servant, Joseph. God, he was obedient to you to the very end, Lord Jesus. He never wavered. God, I thank you for his attitude through some of the harshest moments that anyone could ever go through over a decade in prison, all of these things that he really had nothing to do with. God, I just pray, Lord Jesus, for my friend right now who's in the middle of a mess. Maybe they were the ones that contributed to it. Maybe not. It doesn't matter. The fact is, there they are. God, I pray you'd give them the fortitude, the strength, Lord Jesus, that they would relinquish their will and they would just humble themselves as hard as that is and look to you, Lord God. I pray right now for my friend who's walking through a tough time. Lord, I just pray that they would look to you, Lord Jesus, that they would look to other believers in Christ. Maybe there's somebody that they're connected to that they could be so brave to reach out to even today, maybe just through a text message. Like, hey, I'm going through something really tricky right now. I'd love to chat if you got a minute. God, I just pray that you would just align some, some, some opportunities for people to talk through it and pray through it. So Ashley and I come together and we just pray for our, every person watching right now. Maybe you're watching right now on this Holy Week, Palm Sunday, and you say, pastors, pray for me. I want to give my life to Christ. I, I've, been, I've been listening the last five weeks and I'm ready. Like, this is the moment. I just, I want to say yes to Jesus. Or maybe that you're hearing this for the first time. I, however, you're, however this comes by you, just say a simple prayer, something like this, like, Lord, you know everything about me. I believe in you. I believe that you are the Messiah. 
that you are the Son of God. Say all this in your words, by the way. I believe that you came and you died on the cross for our sins. We just, I just accept you into my life. Come into my life, Lord God. Come and begin to heal me. I, 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 I ask forgiveness for the mistakes I've made. God, I just pray for everyone right now that's potentially praying that prayer. God, we bless every believer watching right now during this holy week. We give you all praise. And Lord, we thank you that you indeed rode into that city to fulfill what you came to do. You didn't turn back. You didn't bail. You came and you did it for us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey guys, as always, we have a group of questions, three questions that we love for you to interact maybe with uh, the person that you're with right now or your small group. Hey, check them out right here. You can screenshot them and uh, meditate them on this week. Yes. Also, make sure you head over to Wilkerson.network. Connect with a small group. We have virtual small groups. We have in-person gathering small groups. We're excited for you to have community to discuss these questions with but also you can journal with the Holy Spirit as well we're excited for what he's gonna do number one what are some examples from your life or from others of miracles that came out of messes how can remembering these help you to recognize possible miracles in the future number two can you sincerely love someone and still know that you should not do life with them what might that look like how will you know What is love? Yeah, right? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Number three. Do you have specific assumptions or expectations about what your life should look like? What are they based on? Are they from the Lord? If not, how can you begin to change that? Love it. Hey, we just want you to know we love you and have a wonderful Palm Sunday, Holy Week, Good Friday. Happy Easter from the Wilkerson's Garage. And stay tuned.